Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It, your weekly podcast for movies that have been remade, rebooted, sequelized, and are otherwise adapted from some source material that is not an original thought by a person. As always, I am your host, Blake Schultz, and with me today is Zane Guzelderly. Sequelized. I like that. It's going to get sequelized. <laughs> it's a good word. Yourself. Yeah, it's the sequelizer, which is just every studio. Just that, yeah, every studio has one that they come around, and they're the ones that wreak havoc in those board meetings. like Jordan Peele and the Gremlins 2 sketch. Yeah. Just going to come in, give you some ideas, and you get sequelized. Hey, hey Hello, guys. <laughs> and uh, coming from the Killer Horror Critic website and Twitter account is Matt Kanapka. Hey, well, how you doing? I can't really top that. Sequelized. <laughs> <laughs> the sequelizer. Uh, of course, this weekend we're talking about Alita, the movie that people have been wanting to James have James Cameron make for years. This movie was talked about. The only reason I knew about the anime and the manga was when James Cameron first talked about Avatar. He kept talking about Battle Angel at everyone that I knew who liked anime for years has been going, when's he making this Battle Angel movie? This was supposed to be after Titanic. It was supposed to be here. This is one of three properties he has taught, like that he's wanted to make forever that actually came to fruition. Before this, it was Spider-Man and And X-Men then Avatar. And Avatar, so which, right, he also got to that one. That, what, will we see these four sequels? Who knows? All right, so it's like maybe he should have done this first instead of the fucking four Avatar sequels he has planned? Well, let me ask you, <laughs> let me ask you both just for the table. Yeah. Would we have preferred that he directed this or would cool with Robert Rodriguez this time around because I was kind of cool with Rodriguez personally personally I'm cool with Rodriguez I think that I imagine we'll get into the finale and the implications yeah of yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got like, I've got notes I, I, I would have scathing still yeah no me too but I I, I guess in my sense I would have preferred that maybe he would have done this like a decade ago instead of Avatar so maybe because who well, knows the, if we'll ever even get these elitists the sequels, whole so. movie kind of feels like it should have been made a decade ago. Like it's there's just older in its values and its story and and just all of it. It has just the whole rollerball element, the arena gameplay of it yeah. is so last decade for yeah. movies. And yeah. I don't mind any of that, but it does sort of feel like this lost relic of another time. Mm-hmm. Just like Alita herself, you know? Right, exactly. That's why we waited, you yeah, see. Oh, sure, sure, yes. It was all part of a master plan, I'm sure. <laughs> James isn't just busy underwater messing around with the Titanic. Where he buried his Oscar. He's the one. He actually got that <laughs> oxygen deprivation that they talk about in the abyss, and he's yeah. just been walking among us ever since. <laughs> he's that the explains all the fucking craziness out of him. He's the closest we have to like a real pirate who's like, I'm gonna go find buried treasure under the sea. Well, he was a truck driver. <laughs> yeah. So like he did have that yard, be driving around the country, and then yeah, yeah. Was he like sporting like pirate flags on his truck? I, yeah, just going full on beard, and yeah, he just had a gruff exterior until he had a nightmare about a killer robot with eyes one night and then he became the biggest Hollywood mogul ever. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I still think it's crazy to imagine off topic here that James Cameron walked off the set of Piranha 2 to go make Terminator. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like He was fired, wasn't he? Was he fired? I, I don't remember if he was fired. I, the rumor I remember hearing was that he just quit. You know, he like showed up for a little bit and was like, you know, I think I'm better than this and well, I gave Roger Corman the finger. I think <laughs> he's a great uh, orchestrator. I think yeah. he's a great, you know, Steve Jobs for the film industry. And I think that he really does have a mind's eye for technology advancements cool. and how you can actually show a movie, showcase a film based on this new technology instead of just kind of having it mixed into it all. Well, the man's revolutionized film, what, like three or four times? Almost every time he's made a movie. And it's 
you know, the only driving <clears throat> point for why he makes a film, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's only if we're going to have the next greatest fucking thing. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't mean that he's innovating, like, storytelling, but the, the medium itself of film, yes. he's d- constantly doing things nobody else does. Right. Or has done before. And as, as you've said before, in the complete opposite when it comes to the narrative, like, he just does not service a story at all. No, no. He would rather build kind of a world. He's an interesting director because he does a lot of things that I like. He builds a world and a theme and an idea. And when those things kind of cohesively come together, I'm like, wow, this movie really was about something. And it really tried to tell us something important and relevant in this backdrop of, like, a sci-fi action movie. And most, and then we'll get into this, but it's like most of these sci-fi movies are just action movies with set pieces. Um, and mm-hmm. then every now and then you have your Blade Runner 2049s and your original Blade Runner and your Star oh, Treks that yes. are <laughs> sci-fi at its finest. Oh, the upcoming Dune. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Very nervous. That cast, though. It's <laughs> yeah. like every single, it's like the most, it's like it was a robot did SEO marketing for a film and just found all the <laughs> highest Google searched people. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's anyway. going to be great, hopefully. Uh, but he does all that. But yeah, he very rarely is like, let's make a really innovative story. He really instead is like, let's take a character who's interesting and a theme and an idea that's interesting. And we'll just wedge it into a traditional three act arc. And then we'll have some of the dopest shit you've ever seen. So let's get into this, guys. What were your kind of your general thoughts and feelings about Alita? We won't do any big spoilers at the moment, but just kind of okay. the Look, film I'll, I'll itself. I'll tell you my biggest thing going in. I wanted to see this movie. I was excited to see this movie. I'm not a fan of anime until it's done on a bigger Hollywood format like this. It's just, it's just how it is. Yeah. The exception of Cowboy Bebop, I think that's a lot it's of everybody's people. Exception everyone because it's great. It, it, yeah, it's pretty great. Here's what I, th- I was expecting, though. The trailers were a little dodgy, and so I knew they were hiding something. And I just kind of got the same gut feeling I got before I went and saw Avatar. Personally, I'm not a fan of Avatar. I don't have anything to gripe about it. It looks incredible even now a decade later, but still, all style over substance. And I felt a good portion of this movie did embellish in that, ooh, we're doing such great style. It's like, got that, 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 don't get too far off course here. Mm. And I think that the story is rich enough, and I've, I've taken a little time to, though I've not read the original anime or the seen the anime film, um, kind of looked into the comparisons, differences, and like how the stories are told, just how big they are. Because I think understanding that scope translates into watching a two-hour film that's compressing so much right. of it. But in, in picking and choosing, I would have done some things differently, personally. Um, overall, I didn't completely dislike or, or uh, have a problem with the movie once I was finished, like I did with Avatar, because I was like, it's just Ferngully or Pocahontas. This was, in its own right, its own story. It was told in a really creative way with some of the best special effects we have our hands on now. Uh, but I still felt it was a little too stylish for its own good at times and, and almost was a little too discombobulated in the way that it tried to service a story that so many people knew and set up the the future of this potential franchise. Right. Uh, yes. and, and that's like where the movie I was like, well, what the fuck am I watching? Am I watching a movie or am I watching... Uh, Alita Battle Angel 1.5. This is something well, I... That's what it feels like. <clears throat> that's so. exactly yeah. what it felt like. Well, this is something I said on our Power Rangers episode, that we've almost started making movies the way people make pilots on TV. Sure. That they now are going, here's our idea. Do you want to do this for a decade? <laughs> it, it's like... Well, it's almost like we're at this point where, you know, film and TV, it's it's like a marriage proposal. 
at this point. It's like, so did you did you like that date? Do you want to commit for the next fifteen years, or are we gonna do this thing? Like, do you wanna do you, do you like elements of this enough that we could turn this into a potential show? Have we built a world and are able to detach it enough from the main character to where it stands on its own? Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I just and and when you're watching a movie, these elements of opportunity should not be intrusive or you know just an obstruction. Oh, totally. In this one, I really felt it. In yeah. this one, when I was trying to work through the narrative of the movie, what was going to happen, where we were going to end up, everything else, just kind of just left with a lot of lofty. Ah, what? But what? Yeah, so I had a similar experience. Uh, Admittedly, uh, I wasn't very familiar with Alita going into it. I do like anime, but I'm not a huge anime fan. So, you know, I didn't know a lot about it. Uh, The trailer interested me enough. I thought it looked fun. Let's just say that, you know. Uh, I do see what you're saying with the style. It definitely felt more stylized than it does have substance. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Throughout, but... um, But yeah, it just, at a certain point very early in the film, you kind of realize like, oh, we're not going to finish this on a note that I want to finish on with this story, you know, like, and and so from that point on, it's just kind of like, even though I'm enjoying what I'm seeing, there's still that gut feeling of like, I'm going to be disappointed by this. It's kind of like going to a diner that has really good dessert and all day you've heard how great the dessert is. And then they feed you a lot of food that's good, and you're like, but I wanted to get... I'm not going to have room for that dessert now. Will we ever come back to this diner? Oh, it's right. closing? <laughs> and well, I guess we're never going to have that different dessert. Different do right. different things where it's like, oh, okay, we'll just open up, and we're going to put half the dessert in your mouth. We're just going to shove it in there anyways. Even yeah, well, you're full, this kind of was like I was eating dinner, and, and they kept it. flicking pieces of pie at me. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like... like <laughs> Uh, imagine, imagine if like I think we're all Game of Thrones fans. Imagine if that show was canceled today, you know, and we're never gonna see the final season. It's just kind of like, well, fuck! I really wanted to know what was gonna happen. Why'd you do this to me? You know? Yeah, it's and, it's. And so that it's like with movies like Alita. I know we'll get more into it later, but I just I hate films that are set up automatically expecting a continuation. It's so presumptuous. Exactly. It's like we're so fucking good and we know it. And this is how fucking good we are. You're going to come back for fucking years and watch us just fan fiction this story to death. Right, exactly. And you know what? It's not true. It's not. The Hobbit was a first indicator of that where it's like, no, you can't just take something because it was great and just pump it full of hot air and fluff well, the to Hobbit, make it three instead of one. I, I was going to say, The Hobbit was a slightly different thing because they took one short book and made it a long movie. This is nine volumes of a manga and However, much, and I, so I, much I, more. Once we get into the next one, that's what it becomes because th- there isn't a road ahead of them. They have to build it. Right. right. Well, well, I actually found out that I was incorrect about that. It turns out I've read half the manga. <laughs> No. <laughs> so it isn't just nine series to the one movie? No, it's, they're like have, I don't even know exactly where anymore, but I was reading the whole thing today and there's another love interest she's going to meet. The big but reveal see, at the end turns out. they up there. They do. He becomes an ally to oh, her. Oh, wow. Okay, all right. So, so then there's, there's just so much more. And okay. then it's almost what I, so I'll, I'll circle into kind of, I really did enjoy the movie. I don't disagree that they did way too much Guess What's Coming Next. Yeah. It didn't hinder my enjoyment of the movie because to me, it did try to do a lot of substance. It at least attempted it. I felt this was a movie that really got into ideas of innocence and classism and 
and love and humanity. And we kept trying to juggle all of these different kind of headier ideas and whether or not all of them were fully realized or even fully kind of answered, they posited the question, like really watching Alita essentially start as a daughter, a child Mm. and very quickly become an adult through really living life. Like all of her memories kind of come in as she's, as she's battling And I thought that was a really good way to have this father-daughter relationship that goes, well, I want to protect you, and I have to kind of set you out in the world to get hurt for you to become who you are. And watching all of that kind of come together and her quickly losing her innocence and learning what she really is and how she's going to do that, I thought gave a really interesting character moment in the backdrop of this huge dystopian world. And even the designs in this movie... I think a lot of times with anime and even with superhero movies, I feel that the producers and studios get a little embarrassed. You look at the Marvel movies. How do you mean by that? Well, you look at the Marvel movies. Hawkeye never looks like Hawkeye in those. He's never going to have a big purple mask. We've never called him Hawkeye. We've never even said those names in 15 movies. Yeah, We've never really called Black Widow the Black Widow. We never named the Ironmonger in the first Iron Man. All their costumes have to be like repurposed to be like real and and all of these kind of contexts that kind of make it like it's not a goofy 60s fun time. It's a real story now. Yeah. It's a real and thing. And the goofy elements really bleed in on this one hard. And that's yeah. Robert Rodriguez. And that's yeah. something that, that, that I in all of his fucking movies. I really 100%. appreciated it. I was like, what other movie am I gonna see Christoph Waltz walk around with this giant mallet? Oh, his, like a, I yeah, hated like the mallet. See, I thought oh, because the, the physics fun. of it, like he would be his head, his throat would be cut before that thing could fucking power up enough. It was like the turbine engine off of a of, of a scaled yeah. down jet blue commuter plane. But see, now, see, this I do agree staff. with you. I, I think the mallet itself is great, but you're absolutely There's right. There's no Christoph practicality. Oh no! Practicality. In the future, he's a doctor that works with fucking automotive like fucking hands and right. and, and, and prosthetics. To be fair, though. You can't create a faster, more agile. Component. He doesn't use it well. It but ruins everything. But he has everything. been the hunter killer that they've been talking about in the papers exclusively. He is the killer. He's the one they should be afraid of. And he's using this three hundred pound mallet that it, he can't even properly it, swing. It does, it does make what? a good point. Like think think of, think of the whole scene when we're first introduced to that, and I, I forget the character's name, but the the woman with the blade hand, the scyther right? hand. Yeah, scyther. Right. We'll, we'll call her scyther. We'll call her scyther. <laughs> all I was thinking. Fans will know who we're talking about from the trailer. All right, all right, so Kristoff's hunting down this Scyther, right? And it's like, he makes this swing, and it's like, dude, this better be the most perfect swing you've ever made. Thank you. Because she's going to be quick enough. You are also just... the hunter killer. Yeah. This <laughs> meek German doctor is like the one that we're, he's the Batman we're writing about. I don't think they about. ever, right. I thought that they never fully said he was like the, this Jack Ripper character well, that I, they I have. I, no, he's not the he's Jack Ripper character. He's just a hunter killer. The, the Jack no, Ripper. No, it's, it's him. They no, look at the it's, article it's, together and they're no, like, so, so this is you. No, the Jack Ripper uh, character that's actually killing people, that was uh, that that was the lead cyborg. Yeah, the, the big guy. Uh, Gura, uh, Garosh shit. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. Yeah, Garosh. Garosh. <laughs> that, that was him because they're they're killing people and selling their parts or whatever. So, but even... Okay. Yeah, he's doing All the right. dirty work for... That makes sense. Even, yeah. aside, even aside from that, to imagine this meek old man... Killing these robots, which could so easily just annihilate an entire bar full of people, it's it's pretty difficult to imagine. I'll give it that. But 
also going along with that, it's kind of the charm of the movie. I love that it's there. It's so ridiculous. It's, it's so like, like in no. We're always talking about like originality and different things, and it might be impractical and not make sense, but it's different. Right. And I'm sure that mallet works on the anime, but oh, of course yeah, it does. Animes don't make any sense. around like it's as light as a feather, and right. I believe it because he can maneuver with the weapon. When mm. Christoph Waltz is like grabbing at his lower back just to lift <laughs> the fucking thing. I'm right. now laughing at the movie not because it's kitschy fun, but because this was a stupid decision. Yeah, almost like, <laughs> almost like I will compare it because it's the only two things I really had a problem with was when they go into the bounty hunter bar and there's just cyborg dog Jack there with all. See, those that was another one that I was like, like, "This is great." Don't like, even, this is so dumb. Don't even get me started on cyborg Jack and how he decides to help them. Like how he that. decides to help them. How the dogs like how that whole character is there because she can't like win hit her first fight against like the lead Garashima right. whatever the fuck his name is right. and like the dogs have to come in and save it but then the character just it not that he needed to be in the movie anymore but does not explain his motives is gone and just doesn't matter. He was just a quick fix to get out of the situation. Like, well, I'm See, going back to the robo right. dog. Kennel. That's more of that weird Final Fantasy Kingdom Hearts shit that I'm like, this is great. Yeah. Give me because well, that's such a weird, like Americanized version from a Japanese source. That's going to be like, we really only have this dog as this like true symbol of innocence. And when it dies, the guy with the dogs, of course, gets upset. Well, this can, is can the just... age. This is the day and age we live in, too. I told him, I'm like, we we killed the dog now. We'll see. Okay. We didn't kill the dog. I wanted to make a comment on that because it was because of 9/11 that we killed the dog now, and it took us two decades to get past it all. But damn terrorists! I'm telling you, I'm telling you, yes, foreign and abro- and like this see, side of the you know the Mississippi, like terrorism is definitely impacted again. As a horror fan, I really want to say I am fucking sick of the killing the dog trope. Let's let's just end. Let's the kill killing the, dog the dog owner, and then the dog can like lick up some of the owner's kill, blood, kind of confused. Like, kill, I'd, I'd, I'd watch that. Right, kill, kill oh, the, the dog owner, kill the fucking cat. I don't know, whatever. Just I'm so sick of seeing the killing the dog as a way to motivate a character. Like we have been. This has been an old hat since the fucking 70s with Halloween. But we never like. actually <laughs> killed the dog. The dog's life was in jeopardy because of the evil force, like Independence Day. Right. But the dog always lived to see the credits. Right. I would say since... Like, I Am Legend, Mars Attacks. Thank you, John Wick. Yeah. yeah. Well, they do, they do, John Wick. They do shoot the dog in Mars Attacks. Oh, that's yeah, they me, fry That's the earliest one that I remember. They fry him. Tim let, Burton let, doing it. Let's say this. You know, th- to kill the dog is just a cheap tactic of a film to be like, look, guys, we're serious. We killed the dog. We killed the you dog. You want to be sure. really serious? Kill the baby. All right? Like, let... Do kill you the want the Halloween character. 2018 crib kill? And no, you just won every do, George R. R. Martin book. Kill. Let's get that crib kill because it just makes sense. Right, exactly. That's, that's beside the point. What I'm saying here is, but, so what that this dog died? They make, like, it is shot like it is the climax of the movie. And right. then I'm like, and I'm like, oh, Well, it okay. is and the moment where she, spoiler, right. like, she does moment. get her memory of the, like, I don't sit down in the face of evil. That's right. the she, big moment for her. Her mantra comes back to her. She uses the dog's blood as which intimidation marks under her eyes, which, which is crazy as hell. I, I got to admit that part. 
made me laugh a little bit because it's like, okay, you're clearly psychotic, wiping the blood of an animal that you loved she on your face. She also doesn't know what's going on still. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, she's a literal child for this at this point still. Well, this is why I'm not having kids, man. They're just wiping dog blood over their faces. Well, Matt, you have no good parenting. This is what happened. You have right. no idea how much blood I put on my face as a child. Well, now I do. And I'm yeah, but, I'm gonna leave. But I like, I thought it was good. I Yeah, I, I don't mind the ending but i do oh, agree are we getting into oh this because this is this is i a think lot. that unless you, you have we want to talk about ending? everything else before we well get i mean this? we're already at 6 30 and we're just falling in the weeds of well, these before, dogs before and characters to, look the dog thing is important to talk about here's another thing i'll talk about just real quick before we get to that is that this whole society like all of these fucking post-apocalyptic societies they have a game that they all worship yeah. now this is this is at the core of the movie because this for me, like as a spec scriptwriter, this is the fun in games. He, mm. it's almost like if they went in to pitch it and it didn't have an IP, the real thing was like, and they played this fucking rollerball, and it's on electronic skates, and they they could beat the fucking shit out of each other just to get around the circuit to put a ball in the hoop. Basically, what they did <laughs> the in old Mayan game. What the Mayans do. Yeah, exactly. right. thank you. And that like becomes a thing where, and this this takes us to the ending. We spend a whole scene getting her acclimated to the game, explaining the rules of the game, getting it all set up and having this like little street battle that means nothing to her like entry game, which is like set up to be a trap to that's it. Yeah. And it really like it because I was like, oh, they're hiding this. People were saying, oh, they're hiding this from the trailer because it becomes like Blade Runner rollerball. I'm like. Even then, they're really not doing it. It's 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 dangled in front they're, of you narratively. Yeah, it's the right. driving force for the whole society. Right, and that's really like that's where the eye candy comes in because there isn't a lot of crazy space stuff. It's mostly grounded until they yeah. get on the turbine pipes that go up to the floating city. Right, and and it, it really is something that does show off the best moments outside of the fights in the movie, and then flash forward to the ending where. As it's kind of told to all the players, if you can work your way to being the best and become the champion, you too get to ascend to the city in the sky. It's just done in a in a multiple month time lapse shot, right. just to just to get to that point and have it. And, and that and that's a good point. I I do look at it as mostly eye candy with this whole thing. I don't think. Oh yeah, a lot it's of, the pod racing scene. Well, it's just there's not a lot of substance to it because, like Zane just mentioned, you know. It, you feel like, okay, if we're going to establish this as being so important within the society, then let's actually watch her working up to this point. Why else would we spend so much time talking about it, the rules and needing to know the intricate, you know, it, you know Exactly. Of it. A very large portion of this film is spent talking about this damn game, which, again, is a little... A decade too late. Like, we're over the whole rollerball thing. If, so, if she had been introduced to the technology, this is devil's advocate, I can argue. No. And she had to get involved in the game, she, already being the fighter she's been established as, could have just entered the arena as a pure novice. And, like, they could have been throwing things at her, like, just get the ball and put it in the hoop. We didn't need the whole scene before of her fully acclimating it helps mm. but knowing that there isn't going to be a big clincher at the end that involves this whole device that we're working on we just don't need to have that much time setting it up personally right no and i yeah. agree and, and when we're when we're dealing with a two-hour film that ultimately maybe could have fit in 
a little more development here and a little more development well, there. Well, I was going to really say, I think it. to really find the time for this other stuff, you cut like 15 minutes out of this beginning. I felt like every other scene at the start of this movie was just Christoph Waltz being like, well, let me explain everything to you. And I was like, you don't need to do Without explaining anything. Yeah. Because there's still just so much you're like, I, I'm going to go with it because I have to. He dumps right. so much exposition. I don't, I don't agree with that. I thought I had all the information I needed for... I just, Pretty much everything in the movie. We talked about this a little bit, and it doesn't have to be a big thing. I just think that, like, what really happened in this fall to make everyone need these crazy, you know, See, and I don't need that and, mm. and unless you of, want a big Star Wars intro explaining it to you. That's a whole different well, there was movie one, there was of one the line society that, There was falling. one line that was said to us in the beginning where it was like, this is the floating city, and we kind of honor it. It's the blah, last blah, blah. one. It's been 300 years. It's the last years. one, right. And then they're like, oh, well, we have these all over the place. And I'm like, what was the scope? Can you, you don't have to tell me all the details, but I think just some kind of glimpse into like what we started with and where we've ended up with would have just helped kind of yeah. like explain just like the stakes. Because I never really understood just how like deep in those stakes were for any of those characters because right. I didn't really know just how far it really extended. Everyone just kind of talked in vague terms. Right, and I, I will say the one thing that, and, and it's funny because we're, we're bashing it so much, but I, I know we kind of enjoyed it, but the... Oh, I have a lot to say. I'm just waiting for him to wind down. No, right, right. <laughs> well, but, but as far as that goes too, it's kind of like I never really got the impression of what Zalem is. You know? Exactly, and and so for all of none of these characters have seen it. They don't know what it looks like. You know, they don't well, even know what goes on up there. So to so it's me, kind of like, how do you really want to be up there? Like, what if you get up there and it's just fucking robot dogs chewing on your asshole? They, well, you know? like, is, they don't know. Yeah, and so and and honestly. Does life look great down where they are? No, it's pretty crowded and not awesome. But it, I don't know. I, I don't. I never got the impression that Zalem is really as important as they make it out to be. Well, you're knocking you know? on a lot of doors that I thought the movie positioned in a way that made me really like it. Yeah. Because the big parable they kind of keep using with Zalem and with where they are and the underground is like this heaven and hell allegory. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you're going to work really hard here in purgatory to go somewhere else this promised land that we don't know anything about right. and it's revealed that the only way spoiler alert to get there is to basically become an organ donor for experiments well, to it's die, it's not better it's worse but i liked that idea paralleling it even with like what we deal with with almost anybody religious who goes i'm going to do all of these things in my life for this promise that ultimately may be unfulfilled and I liked that idea, and I liked when we go underground with the big guy whose name I don't remember. And he's yeah. like, I like it down here because it ends. Everything is down here. You go up there, and there's a city. You get up to the city, and there's something else. And it just keeps going and going and going and going. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's a great concept, too, that there's really nothing you can do in society where this stops. That's how like capitalism is with us. You just mm-hmm. keep getting bigger and bigger and no one's satisfied and it's the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Right. I mean, look at billionaires. They're not satisfied with billions. They want trillions. Right. <laughs> and know? then you get to Mahershala Ali's character when he's like, well, why even be a peasant in heaven when you can be a king in hell? Right. And I was like, oh, I like seeing sort of all these structures happen where even he's just a puppet to this greater scheme. Mm. But I thought that they serviced that enough within the characters we had because these are all such big, philosophical, weird questions that we're never going to get a concrete answer to. Even at the end, I was like, oh, she skates up there, fights the big bad guy there, and then we just see another big thing somewhere else. 
and we really just set this character up to be the hero. Mm. And we can get clips of her past, and we can keep building. It becomes like a Wolverine story where half the time we get clips of war, and then we're moving forward, and then the next time we get clips of a different war, and we move forward again. Uh, but I thought those things enriched the world. And in a way, really, what I liked about it was no other movies that attempt to adapt anime, mangas, even comic books deal with these bigger ideas. Like we could even use infinity war as a parable. When you get into what like the original infinity gauntlet omnibus is about, it's these huge questions of like life and death and the nature of humanity that aren't ever going to be in a Marvel movie. Right. And to even try to tackle that I thought was interesting. Well, no, for sure. And, and for me, that is a large part of what does work for the movie. I think Alita herself, played by Rosa Salazar, who does an oh, amazing job, by fantastic. the way. Incredible. I absolutely loved her. Carry, carry, can carry the film by herself. Um, she is a great character because we are her in that sense. You know, like what you're discussing with classism and our, our philosophical ideas of heaven and hell. Uh, Alita is us in that sense of she's right. trying to... She's endlessly trying to achieve this big goal and, you know, uh, take care of the people she loves and all this kind of stuff. And it, you just get this sense that it's never going to be good enough. And that's kind of what life is a lot, you know? Yeah. Like, you're always working, but you just really never know if you're going to get to where you're satisfied. Yeah. Um, which, you know, maybe thematically works in the film because by the end, I want more because I'm not satisfied yet. So. Right. So let's get into that then, because this ending to, I think, all of our points, (laughs) and to Zane's point is, you know, major spoilers. We see this Palpatine-esque figure. Two times before it's actually revealed. There's a man in very small spectacle glasses with a Colonel Sanders white wig, and uh, he's just kind of overseeing things in flashbacks, and at the very end of the film, he clips his little sunglasses open and reveals to the whole audience that... He is none other, uh, none other than Ed Norton in a in the, the biggest Woo. cameo of 2019 so far. You yeah, oh, know, we'll yeah. talk about I have stunt <laughs> casting written down too. My eyes and was pissed off. Yeah, yeah. Because I know that Robert Rodriguez has said, you know, like it's my style to do this. Is that you know we got the character to where we needed to be, and now we're presenting all these possibilities. And so you could look at it like a cliffhanger, but really the movie could just end here. That's his argument. The movie could just end right here. Really. Really, the movie could just end right here. Ed Norton just decided to come around for 30 fucking seconds for no plans for a sequel. That guy doesn't roll out of bed for less than 500K. I know that for a fact, okay? exactly. And I fucking hate his pompous ass so much that when he shows up in this fucking movie at the end, it's irritating as shit. It leaves a bad taste. So, are you more frustrated then with the stunt casting? Or with the cliffhanger, the not cliffhanger. Cast, okay. Part of it for me is I really thought that if they'd given the movie another 30 minutes, they could have wrapped it up with what they were kind of going for. There is right. a lot of stuff that's left to be picked up and brought on as a sequel. The stunt casting really pisses me off when you're in the press trying to be like, we're not going to make anymore. This is meant to be an ending. We never, ever, ever, ever plan to do Alita 2. Then why the fuck is Ed Norton there? Yeah. Because you're establishing that it is a character, it's a person, that there's something leading up to this, where you are the one that positioned it to me, where it's like, what if it was just a set of blue eyes and a voice? I'm like, I would have loved that. That would have been much better. That, that even would have gone much better. To me, that also would have gone with this heaven and hell idea and just been like, it's yes. God. It's yes. this embodiment it of something. It could be whatever you wanted to say it was. 
by giving it a face, by making it a famous actor, already in my mind, it just perpetues like it's like there's an agenda here. And he looks everything Awful. in this movie looks so good. And then he unclips those glasses, and I'm like, ah, we couldn't he spend looks, a extra twenty minutes he in makeup. Looks about as good as Woody Harrelson <laughs> looked at the end of that fucking Venom tagline <laughs> where he was Raggedy Andy. Yeah. So for me, that drove me up the wall. It, it took me a while to, like, after I'd finished the movie, to, like, looking into the anime and, like, really, like, you know, Blake, you and I discussed it at quite a bit of length. And, like, kind of looking at the character, it's like, but look at what she became and look at what mm. her journey was. And I'm like, I agree. At the end, though, it's too much for me to assume that he needs the body parts for, like, some eternal, like, his right. studies. It's like, that's way too much work. There's no way any one of us can guess what he's doing. Well, and he's also such to a... To just take Jennifer Conley's... Because also, she's one of, like, the sacred beings from there. Because she has the jewel in her head. Even though right. she left, like, she's one of them. So then it's just like... It just starts getting into this whole thing that I was like... I bet you guys wanted to do this because it looked cool. You didn't think about the implications or what other people would start thinking. Personally, that's how I feel. It was great because Mahershala Ali sets this up so many times where he's like, well, I can send you up there. That's the means to do it all in. So then there has to be something bigger at stake. Whereas really, I felt this movie should have ended with the main antagonist being Mahershala Ali. Yeah, The agreed. different bounty hunters involved with it and the main bounty hunter, and I forget his name, but he played Ajax in Deadpool and uh, carries the blade with him. That was uh, Zapan, played by Ed Zapan. That was my favorite character. And really, yeah. ultimately, he's the most antagonistic force. She has to like outwit him in the third act to like get away with it. And even then... We're already in spoiler territory. She gets his blade, cuts his face off, and that is it. Mm -hmm. There is no ending. He does not die. He just kind of slinks away, and it's all just, we can't give you a conclusion right now because we're so invested in See? how fucking amazing we are and part two. It's going to blow your fucking load. You're going to love part two. And the truth is, we're not going to get one. See, and I, I, I fall along the same lines as well because I actually, despite what we've been discussing, I really enjoyed this movie up until the third act. Like, for, yeah. for the most part, I was just having a good time. Well, that's where it all gets really... rushed. That's even where I was like, how are we have so many well, things going on? It, it how goes, are we going to condense this? It goes beyond being rushed. Like, like I said before, they shoot themselves in the foot repeatedly with this ending. Because, like, take, take for example, Hugo, the whole lump interest with Hugo, right? So you have this whole confrontation with Zapan and Hugo and Jennifer Connelly's there and... Uh, and yes. Lita she's, and, she's there <laughs> so herself. coincidentally and at the and best possible timed moment. Very much coincidentally. But you have this whole little show down there. And, and to me, it's like, again, spoiler territory, whatever. To me, it's like, if you're going to kill Hugo, just fucking do it there. Yeah. Why, why do right. we go through this whole goddamn thing with Hugo and her having to save him and she uses now her that, heart in his well, head? That and that is like, in the anime. I was going to say, okay. Matt, I'm glad you said that. It'll bring me to kind of my next bullet. I'm going to start trying to speed us up a little bit. Because okay. um, the next thing that I really want to talk about in terms of an adaptation, I know not. I haven't read the whole thing. Other people don't have as much of awareness. But would that have been too big of a change? Like, are we tackling way too much in this because i even kind of said when you're too, too big of a change to do what though to just kill him off right there are you losing something no. a b story that in the manga was a much longer thing that she learned from 
Well, here's the thing. I, I haven't read the manga, but based off of what we see in the film, killing him, off, killing him off there, you lose absolutely nothing. I agree with that. In the context it, of this movie, he does not need to come back at all. But I would no. say it's the one thing narratively that sets this movie apart from other films is this kind of like, let's rush to save him and like transport his body into, you know, a prosthesis. Right. And it even loops back around to his ending where it's like, man, if I had a body like yours, I'd be able to climb the steel cables and like I'd go straight up to Zapan. Like I would do it. And mm. that's like where the climax sets it up. It is it is kind of nice. I did like that because you're mm. right. We can kill him and it can be over. And when he's dead, do you know what happens then? We see actual an actual montage of her becoming the champion in the roller rink. Mm-hmm. And then her going to Zapan to have a real conclusion with Ed Norton. Right. Yeah. If we're choosing to give Ed Norton the role and his face. And then at that point, he has to have some Dr. Evil Blofeld leave. Like, he has to leave, and she has to have some impact. Like, that's just structural, I, you know, uh, traditional stuff. Right, right. Traditional. Right. We, I, didn't, we didn't really have No, that. we went with this new, that I keep saying the new only... But traditional. I was like going to say, this new but traditional thing that... It really only seems like the MCU has been able to do, where they can give us this traditional three-act structure and put enough weird things here and there, and then after the credits, be like, come back next week. Well, I think I think part of it, at least for me personally, is it just, they made it so silly. Like, the whole, yeah. the whole execution of Hugo there is just, I get what they're trying to do thematically, but it's like, you just had a great scene where she saves him, and now we're going to kill him off. And That's kind really of where ridiculous, I... kind of silly... I mean, the imagery in that scene, like, I'm sorry, is laughable. Also, yeah, it's weird. And, yeah. and Blake brought this up to my point. They spent a majority of the budget making Alita digital the entire time, just mm. so that it wasn't jarring when it switched from, like, they could have just done her face, put her in plain clothing, and then when it was time for the action to suit up, have her switch to a full digital form. They didn't do that. Mm. Where it really came to the visual effects, they went the distance to put his body in the robot at the end and just have his real head on top of the CGI body, it looked odd. Yeah. It kind of looked like cheap graphics in this amazing up-to-date canvas. Right. No, yeah, it, it is interesting how they did that because you're right, they, they made everything else look so damn good and then to just throw that And then there were like the three, and this always happens with these big budget CGI movies, right? Like there's moments in Infinity War where I'm like, how oh, we can go back and make that suit look a little bit better, guys? We have to the have nano, this, the nanotech? this PS1 graphics card <laughs> yeah. when we first see Iron Man's new suit. We're revealing his new suit and it looks like Resident Evil 1. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> like, it's been bothering you since May. Oh, the moment I... Because <laughs> Ultron did the same thing. Age of Ultron had like one scene where he steals the scepter and it looks like a Super Nintendo sprite. And I was like, that is the moment that we need to see, guys. You can't make that look like... Re- yeah. yeah. But yeah. it happens here twice where I'm like... We, we have to make this guy just look like a, a... And the way he moves is off, but I guess even kind of bigger than that. What I'm saying is like a, a manga and a comic book and even animes sometimes share a commonality where they are telling serialized content. There really is never an ending to Batman or mm. Naruto or Dragon mm. Ball Z or these other things. And when you adapt that into a movie, which does have a traditional three-act structure... Does this posit a challenge, do you think? Like, how, like, imagine a world, if you will, 
where we only had one Batman movie. And we would con- and the only conversation you'd hear would have been, what about all of these elements that we didn't do that make see, Batman who he is? What about all these Spider-Man but, villains we never see? But this is the thing with, with this film is like, look, I, I think when you're doing these kind of things, what I don't like is when the film doesn't feel complete. You know, because you can right. still, you can still do a trilogy, but each individual film can still feel complete. You know, like maybe it's not the best reference, but you look at like the the Dark Knight films, right? Like Batman Begins and Dark Knight and and Dark Knight Rises, for better or worse, they feel like their own movie, even though they're connected into this. They film. have a resolution, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And and with this, it's like I I don't think that you're missing out on a single thing with Alita's character. By ending after she vanquishes or vanquishes Vector, I would say Vector. Batman yeah. begins uh, the first Pirates of the Caribbean. You can look well, at even Batman begins. He turns over the Joker card, and we're off to the next. But right. it's and, just and, thirty seconds of just like a, a little. Mwah, that's what it could be. Right. Not twenty fucking minutes. Right. They yeah. kept leading me down this trail of like you're gonna get this now. We right. have to build this. Mahershala Ali's death is so anticlimactic and. And almost completely. Yeah, that did really bother me. That because it wasn't treated better, I'm now facing all of these problems. If he was really the villain he was supposed to position in this film, we should have learned about the Overlord much later than in the first 30 minutes of the movie. And right. that would have presented some other threat between the death of him and Jennifer Conley's character. Instead, he just falls to the death. And it doesn't matter because there's still all these other things we have so to do. So then it's less of the change. world building and sequel building and more of the execution of it in this movie. Yeah, because you just make the villains and the antagonists more centralized. She has to get out of this little town, the bounty hunter. She has to make a name for herself. Right. There are forces working against her. That should have been the major over ch- the challenge to overcome. I agree. Instead, she does that shit too easily. We give her this piecemeal piece of like, well, this is what you should also be doing because Michelle Rodriguez said the villain's name in this one moon flashback, which was the greatest part of the movie, and we're doing nothing with that. And now because I remembered this name, it has to be my drive. Fuck no. We've spent too much time trying to establish your relationship with the father character, the boyfriend character, living in this world, becoming a thing, and now because of one little bit of your Jason Bourne identity has come back to you, well, it has to be our full focus because we only have 15 minutes left. Yeah. Right. (laughs) No, it's true. It's just way too much packed in. I think that had they compartmentalized and just focused on the initial challenges, like that's that's what's worth seeing her overcome. But when you see her just doing one big thing after the other, it's like, I don't know, it, it's too much. It just, it doesn't feel like its own singular film. I will say know? this, and this will be my last uh, thought on it because I, you're right, I have kind of gone off the rails. <laughs> I know that when I watch this movie again, which I will, and For knowing sure. where it goes, I'm going to be a lot cooler. Oh, I'm yeah. not going to have nearly as many problems with it. I, I am just going to be left with this film falling in the category of other films like Buckaroo Banzai and a few of these other things that'll gain cult status, but we'll never get a proper follow-up because they lean so much into it. Over time, it might hinder it. And maybe 20 years from now, these kids that didn't get a chance to go to the theater make a reason for there to be another one, and we do have an Alita 2049. But it's, it's a long song and a wish away. I think my biggest problem with the movie wasn't even 
kind of the false ending, I really kind of walked out and was like, okay, just about every single thing and idea and story I liked in this movie was resolved one way or another. I don't need the bounty hunter to die. We can cut off his face. We can walk away and lick his wounds. I don't need, I, we can never see him again for all I care. So it really only leaves a sequel to run up and slash the throat of the bad guy. And to me, I go, you've actually ridden yourself in a corner where you've set up this huge world with all of these ideas and philosophies and themes and characters, and you've reduced me down to a sequel that will ultimately have what I always call the third movie problem, Jedi, Return of the King, which are two movies I love, so they're bad examples. (laughs) But all that's left to do in those movies is stop the big bad guy. Like right. Return of or the, the Jedi, bi- or overcome the the biggest obstacle. Yeah, like Back what's to the three? Get yeah. the car to work. This is all, a whole adventure it because makes, of this one small problem. It makes right. Jedi. I always go. It has the best Star Wars in it, but it's the weakest of the original trilogy because it's like what a cool beginning and a great ending, and there's nothing in the middle because all we need to do is put Luke in a room with Vader and Palpatine, and the good guys need to win. And sure. I was like, I don't need to watch two hours of Alita running to one thing. I liked this movie because there was so much variety in it and different things to see and different textures all the time. But you've done all that now. Right. And and just as a point, I did read that you never actually get to see this villain character in the original anime, correct? My understanding... And then what like, I, in the video, he was given a visual presence. In, in the, the anime, he gets a presence, and I'm going to get this wrong, so forgive me, because what I was just reading that was that he eventually becomes her ally for some other thing. At that point, it's like, do something different than just a man, then. What if it right. was a computer? What if it was someone who's omnipresent or like a celestial? What if it yeah. was, like because that's the thing. Take it somewhere else. I mean, right. I do it think is just the man he needs, she needs to like in down the now. to play devil's advocate to myself. Spider-Man, Batman comic books are soap operas that have arcs. This manga is nine volumes, which is a mm. ton, but it's still ultimately, to the best of my knowledge, has a concrete ending. So there might be all of these hundreds of roads they go down where Nova becomes her ally and there's a new love interest and this happens and this happens and this happens. But to service all of that, even in the context of film, is challenging. Could you imagine, to use one of Matt's earlier examples, if we tried to cram all of Game of Thrones into two to three films? Right. (laughs) You would lose so much of what makes that show unique and interesting. Or you would boil it down to what kind of Ghost in the Shell did, where I was like, this is going to be cool and heady and weird, and oh, we just made an action movie. We boiled down this character to her bare bolts because you had 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what are we saying now? Like maybe this should have been a TV series? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I I just think adapting something that long form that still has a unique ending is a challenge that we haven't seen a lot of people do. For sure. Or and pull e- off. Yeah. Or yeah, even in like, you know, we always talk about how video games fail to adapt to film. I think it has a similar challenge because there's so many things that make a video game unique that when you go, let's make a Tomb Raider movie, you inherently lose because of the medium. Mm-hmm. That's our show, guys. We're going to skip the box office. It's not doing great. Matt and I talked more. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's not. We're, we've been running an hour, has, so it's... Has sci-fi really done this well? No. Or in, the, in domestically? No. No. Unless it's Star Wars, it's just not a thing. Right. I think it's a shift in time to just put a boiler note on it. Overseas, it's doing very well. I think we also get a little freaked out by things we don't fully know. Future sci-fi being the one where it's like, well, look how different this is. But enough word of mouth on the home video market and the downloading digitally, 
it could find another life. Yeah, who knows, sure right? We never know what's going to happen. As, as Matt said, I did even shit on this movie a fair amount. That's not to say that it's a bad movie and I wouldn't recommend it. I would recommend this. You will not see better mechanics graphically well, in a film. And the other thing so we didn't touch on, though, is this is kind of maybe the last big shot for 20th century now that they're Disney. Sure. Like, we don't know what, and we don't know, I mean, whatever. We could do this for a whole other hour, and we're not <laughs> going to, but you're going to leave us a review on iTunes, and then you're going to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at facebook.com slash groups slash Hollywood Already Did It and Hollywood ADI. I'm at, as always, Blake. Zane is at Zigo's Elderly, and Matt is at Killer Horror Critic. All of that is on Twitter. I do two other shows, One More Drink and How Do You Figure. Matt does a ton of horror stuff at KillerHorrorCritic.com. You can follow his Instagram, his Twitter. There's a new show coming out, a podcast format, correct? Yes. Yep. Great. All of that will be about horror. He's interviewing a lot of people. It's going to be great. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>